With us today is Congressman uh, Peter King, and he has some uh, great week. I understand uh, this was the 25th anniversary of uh, the Irish uh, Accords. We're putting Ireland and the rest of the world in... Well, I'm going to let Congressman Peter King talk about it. Tell us about the, the 25th year anniversary, and I understand you spoke to... Uh, uh, Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton, and he's on his way to Ireland, and he's in Ireland, and you were invited to go to for the 25th anniversary. Yeah, give us the big picture. Yeah, John, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, this is the 25th anniversary. It was in April of 1998 that the Good Friday Agreement was signed in in Belfast. It was among the uh, included the uh, Republic of Ireland, it involved Great Britain, and it involved all of the political leaders in Northern Ireland including representatives of the paramilitary forces. That would be the IRA on one side, uh, the UVF on the other side. And this ended, we can even say, 800 years of fighting, 300 years of fighting, 60 years of fighting, a quarter century of fighting. They have been fighting on the island of Ireland between the Irish and the British for centuries. And I think it would have gone on for much longer. The person who broke the logjam was Bill Clinton. He realized when he came to office in 1993, the Iron Curtain was down. And this was the only uh, battle that any any of our allies was involved in. I mean, Britain is our closest ally. The Irish people are incredibly close to the United States. And he saw the United States being in the position of being an honest broker, where they could bring all sides together, let each side know that he would not allow the other side to take advantage of any kind of a ceasefire or any type of negotiations going on. And uh, he did it. I mean, uh, the IRA called a ceasefire in 1994. And then uh, President Clinton gave Jerry Adams, who was head of Sinn Féin, which was affiliated with the IRA, he gave him a visa to, to visit the United States. He did it over the objections of the British government and his own State Department. He took it away from the State Department, the whole Irish issue, and brought it in, in, into the White House, where he handled it personally. And then over the next several years, negotiations started, talks began under the leadership of uh, George Mitchell, the former senator. He was the chairman of the talks. And around St. Patrick's Day of 1998, Mitchell said, this has gone on long enough. We either have to do it or not do it. And he put Holy Thursday down as the uh, deadline. And things really speeded up then. But on Holy Thursday, it almost came unraveled. I was in New York, and I flew to Washington. That day, I was talking to the uh, British uh, Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. I was talking to the representatives of the Irish Prime Minister, representatives of Sinn Féin, and in constant contact with the the White House. And suddenly at the last minute, it seemed people on the side of the unionists, they're the ones who uh, basically wanted to stay directly connected to Britain with no connection at all to Ireland. The other side wanted a, a united Ireland. But suddenly uh, they started to renege. Those who did not really want an agreement to go forward, who did not, uh, who wanted to stay totally under British control, they started to renege. So I was on the phone that night with uh, the parties in Belfast with the uh, State Department with British media actually doing live interviews on the British media carrying messages that some of the parties wanted to get out, which they couldn't give, but I was able to give it. Uh, and in fact, at one stage, I said I was being interviewed by a British radio station, and I was watching a live feed uh, of, of uh, television coverage of what was going on. And I said on the radio program, I said, my understanding is that if this isn't resolved soon, Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin party is actually going to walk out. And just as I said that, I'm watching on television, the two leaders of Sinn Féin walk out the door. 
I went, oh, my God, did I cause this whole thing to collapse? My heart started to skip a few beats. Turned out they were just going out to get a smoke break. Anyway, uh, I went to bed that night. I was on the phone continually about 1.15. There was some agreement. When I went to Good Friday, and then at 6 in the morning, I got a call from the White House saying there was an agreement. And then when I spoke to uh, Jerry Adams, who was at the Sinn Féin party, he called me, and I thanked him for what they'd done. And he goes, no, all the congratulations goes to Bill Clinton. He's the guy that did it. He was on the phone with all of the parties during the night. And he basically said if they signed the agreement, he would basically guarantee that that, uh, neither side would take advantage of it, that the U.S. would put its full diplomatic force behind the agreement. So this is the 25th anniversary of Bill Clinton. Uh, You know, I I discussed this on uh, Katz and Crosby the other night, and uh, Bill Clinton heard about that. And he called me on uh, Tuesday evening, and we had a 40-minute conversation. And he was saying great things about you, John. And my good friend, uh, you and Margo have been to him. And uh, how you know, well the show was doing, but he was really gratified that it was discussed on your show. And uh, we were on the phone, again, a good 40 minutes. But he's been invited. He's going over this week for the commemoration ceremonies. I've been invited, but I can't make it. And uh, it's, a, it's a moment in history. And, again, it would not have happened without... Bill Clinton having the guts to get in there and really break the logjam, taking on his own State Department, taking on the British government, and also warning the Irish rebels, hey, I've gone out on a limb for you. Don't screw me on this. we got to make this work. And he kept everyone together, and it worked. That, that uh, Peter King, that is part of history. Now, tell me, uh, has there been any problems over the last 25 years? Yeah, there have been problems. Uh, Primarily uh, the unionists, they're the ones who would be considered pro-British. They have a few times uh, walked away from the government. Right now, the government in Northern Ireland is not functioning. It's actually being run by civil servants. But the key thing is there's been no outbreak of violence. And each time in the past when uh, uh, you know, one side has walked away from the agreement, there's been no outbreak of violence. They negotiate and they come back in. That's what I hope happens now, especially with the Bill Clinton going over there next week and having such a large turnout of people at the 25th anniversary that that can be an impetus that can be a uh, inspiration or a direction almost to all the parties to come back in into those talks again and to get you know get the agreement working but again it's it's it's, it's definitely working to the extent there's no fighting listen i was there first time in 1980 and about 30 times after that and that's where i got to meet jerry adams a number of times so when he came to the u.s i was the only person in congress that had a relationship with him which got me very involved in the peace process over the next five, six years. But having said that, uh, uh, I mean, it was terrible. You had armored cars, tanks, barbed wire, soldiers in the street. Uh, you had actually separate taxi cabs for Protestants and Catholics. If you got in the wrong taxi cab, you might get killed. I mean, that's just an example of how it was. Downtown Belfast, there were no bars or restaurants open at night. Uh, people wouldn't dare go near it. It was really uh, it was, it was a wartime situation where thousands of people were killed. Kids, adults, older people, uh, there were trials without jury. I mean, all of this was going on. And now it's, it's a normal society. They have a big hockey arena over there. You have restaurants are booming. Uh, hotel, it was a hotel called the Europa, which was the most bombed out hotel in Western Europe since World War II. Now it's called, I think, the Grand Central. And it's like a total luxury hotel. That's where President Biden stayed. So, again, the world has changed. And there were a number of people involved. Tony Blair, the British prime minister took guts for him to come forward. Uh, Bertie Ahern, the Irish Prime Minister, Jerry Adams, the head of Sinn Féin, they all made the step, but it wouldn't have worked 
if uh, Bill Clinton wasn't there coordinating it and holding it together. Well, thank you so much, uh, Congressman King. Uh, and uh, I wish you uh, would have been there with them uh, because you would deserve to be there. And But uh, we'd love you to be here back in New York and staying with us, and uh, and we'll catch up again real soon. Well, I told him, I said, listen, I can't leave Catsy Crosby. i got to be there. So there you go. <laughs> thank you, and we'll we'll see you soon. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see.